0: Support for this podcast is provided by SHL. From talent acquisition through to talent management, SHL's science and technology maximise the potential of your greatest asset, your people. SHL help you create the diverse, agile and innovative workforce you need to succeed in an unpredictable environment. Their data-driven people insights, unmatched portfolio of products, engaging experiences built on science and global expert services are all delivered on one platform for all your people answers. Visit shl.com to learn more about how SHL can unlock the potential of your workforce. There's been more of scientific discovery... More of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all
1: the ages of history.
0: Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 374 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The relationship between employees and employers. Is fundamentally changing. The integration of work and life has never been more in focus. Making work better for employees is no longer a wish list item, it is imperative for competitive advantage. So, who's leading the way here? And are we seeing a short term trend or a permanent shift? To help answer these questions, my guest this week is Scott Beeson, a professor of management at Fairleigh Dickinson University. Scott has recently published a book called The Whole Person Workplace, which explores how employers are building better workplaces by focusing on work life, wellness, and employee support. Hi, Scott, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do?
1: Sure. My name is Scott Beeson. I'm a professor of management at Fairleigh Dickinson University in New Jersey, United States. Um, I also um, have done a lot of uh, consulting, speaking workshops, etc. I run the HR program at our university, and I am so proud to be the author of the new book, The Whole Person Workplace, Building Better Workplaces Through Work-Life Wellness and Employee Support. And I'm happy to be talking about that today.
0: Well, that seems like a very sensible place to start. So give us an introduction to the book. What's it about? Why did you write it? How did it come about?
1: Right. Well, actually, it's funny. I started writing the book in January 2020. um, And then by March, I had to tear it apart and start over um, when the reality of the COVID pandemic kind of hit. the the world. I I think it's uh, really the right time for this kind of book because there's so much uh, rethinking about what we're doing in the workplace and with employees. But the the overall point um, behind the book is that I I guess there's different ways that we as uh, talent acquisition specialists, as HR people, as leaders, as managers, that as employers, that we can value employees, we can look at them as just part of the machine, just, you know, invest enough to keep the chain running. Uh, We could look at them as valued assets, which is good, right? Because we take care of a valued asset. But that's still kind of transactional, right? That's like we're investing in someone because it's going to be a return on investment. I propose the best employers value their employees as whole people with lives and responsibilities and priorities and stressors and challenges outside of work and a desire to bring more of themselves to work. And... I think once you adopt that mindset as an employer, then, you know, it opens up so many different avenues to support employees because if employees are not thriving outside of work, if they're stressed or overburdened or, you know, are having childcare problems or, you know, health issues or, or wellness issues, they can't bring their best selves to work. Right. So, um. But this philosophy, again, you were, we take on a little more responsibility to make sure our our the people who work for us aren't just successful at work, but they're also, um, we're going to try to help them be successful in the other parts of their lives as well. And again, if we, we do this, then there's a whole host of opportunities, if we're creative, to address employee concerns
0: it's interesting because i'm sure if we had this uh, conversation i don't know 18 months or, or two years ago when you when you sort of first uh, came up with the uh, came up with the idea for the book it would probably be a very different conversation to the one that we're having now with, with everything that's gone on in the last 18 months
1: absolutely in fact you know the book was going to be like hey let people work from home every now and then or you know things like that and, and of course you know the the you know, the work world, including many organizations that never would have adopted work from home and remote work, you know, were forced into it. And in many circumstances, it worked very, very well in terms of keeping work going and and everything else. In other aspects, it really posed challenges. Um, one of the things we saw during um, you know the, the height of the COVID pandemic, and hopefully, we're getting through this. Uh, was, you know, we we got a glimpse into people's lives, into their living rooms. We saw their pets and their families. And, you know, we saw how they were trying to juggle it all and deal with, you know, the the potential overwork and the anxiety and all the other things that were going on. And I think we also got a window into the fact that, you know, it's hard to separate wellness from being productive at work, right? Because if people were, and lots of people are still, you know, very anxious, very overburdened, um, you know, very stressed, you know, dealing with, you know, this deadly disease dealing with, um, you know, all the other things around the lack of support of schools and childcare and daycare that we've dealt with over the last 18 months, um, that it was clear that a lot of people were struggling. And I think many employers, uh, thankfully, and I profile a lot of them in the book, um, you know, stepped up for employees, recognizing that it's hard to separate whether somebody's doing well outside of work and how much they can bring themselves and be engaged and focused uh, at work as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. And I suppose there's a couple of bits to this, because I think during the the, the kind of height of the pandemic, we saw lots of employers really take this on board, but but also lots of employers who, who were somewhat gimmicky in, the, in their response. You know, let's have an additional, um, everyone's tired of, zooms and teams calls so let's have a zooms and teams yoga session or, 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 or something like that and obviously it strikes me now we're recording this uh, just at the beginning of august uh, 2021 and lots of employers are thinking about the way forward and what do they do and how do they deal with the world of work as it's going to be what are the good employers that you've profiled what did they do during the pandemic and and how are they thinking now
1: Yeah, this is a really interesting time, right? Because we're in the summer, uh, back to school is kind of around the corner. And I think a lot of uh, managers, a lot of businesses are going to tie kind of their return to workplace or return to office um, strategy with the return to school. Um, which makes sense right because that's you know one less thing working parents have to have to worry about but it's not that simple right um, i think that uh, a lot of working parents are going to be very anxious about their kids going back to school especially younger kids who you know are are still ineligible to be vaccinated um, but i think you know employers that take on a whole person workplace philosophy you know should think a little more creatively so maybe even if they're returning most of their workers to the office most of the time. Um I think there needs to be more ad hoc flexibility, um more control um given to people over their time, uh more trust given to people uh to control their time. So for example, you know, I, I think many anxious working parents would love to ease their concerns by maybe doing the drop off and pick up at school themselves. Um right as opposed to buses or, you know, other things like that. Um you know, maybe not rely on group-based, you know, after-school settings and things like that, at least for a while, um, and employers can help with that, uh, but in addition to things like childcare and flex, um, you know, I think there's a whole host of things that, um, you know, smart employers can do, um, you know, it's, you know, some of it is simply like not putting pressure on people to reply to emails at 10 o'clock at night, um, A lot of it is paying people, you know, livable wages and having, you know, solid benefit programs that just, you know, less things for people to worry about. Um, And, of course, people have other things going on, you know, not just working parents, but, you know, there's elder care challenges, uh, people who, you know, have developmental goals or would love to get a certification or go back to school or um, would like to volunteer. And, you know, there's things that employers can do to support them. Uh, with those. And that's what, you know, a lot of the employers I profiled in the whole person workplace, they got creative when it came to being able to support these things. Large companies were able to have big policies around this and to offer a wide range of formal benefits. Smaller companies had the advantage of getting to know their employees as individuals and create more custom fit solutions that that work for them. And I profiled companies that had as few as eight employees um, and you know, multinational, uh, organizations as well. So, um, there are ways to do it on any budget and in you know in any different uh, circumstance
0: and do you think that the influence of employees on what their employers do has now changed for, forever because i'm sure there are some employers out there who want to just go back to the way everything everything was in in 2019 but it it genuinely seems that employees have a lot more sort of power and, and influence
1: about what what happens now
0: is that kind of a correct assumption does that that align with what you're seeing
1: i don't know if anything's permanent but um i think that uh certainly for, for for a while um you know talent talent is going to have choices um you know so if you have you know valuable skills uh you're going to be able to uh if you want to move to an employer that uh better suits you um, which puts a big challenge on employers right um, so You know, we're seeing there's a lot of news about what's called the Great Resignation, or I prefer like the Great Reset, where a lot of employees are rethinking where they work, what they're doing, who they're working for, and you know, to me, it's not just the story of you know people hourly wages trying to make a couple more bucks an hour. I don't think that's really the story, although the media seems to have jumped on that. I think you know, I think most employees who have choices are thinking about you know how did my employer help? How, how did they consider me over the last 18 months? Did they consider me as a person as opposed to just like get back to work and do what you need to do? Or, um, you know, were they were they considerate? Were they able to listen to my concerns and try to work with me on on solutions to them? And if not, they're going to be looking for a new place to work. And they'll be looking for places to work that I think will um, at least, you know, consider their needs. Uh, try to meet their needs for time for life, for maybe more certainty over their time, more autonomy over their time, and of course, you know, uh, for for many, you know, some, you know, the benefits or EAPs or uh, whatever else uh, wellness programs that might be offered. Um, and it's so. I think it's a, from a recruiting point of view. Um, if you're in talent acquisition. You need to be able to tell the story about how did we take care of our employees during the height of the pandemic, and then what what lessons have we learned from this that we're applying going forward? Um, and if you're able to articulate that in the recruitment process, um, during networking, even in interviews, fielding questions uh, from from job candidates, you know you'll be many steps ahead. Um, if you can't articulate this, then a you might not have. Managed as well as you should have over the last eighteen months, uh, but B, you're going to be at a real disadvantage um, in in the marketplace of talent.
0: Th- firstly, I absolutely agree with, with everything you, you say there. It's definitely what we're seeing in in the market. Do you think that all employers have have realised that? Do you think that they are willing and and able even to to sort of embrace these these kind of changes in the way that they that they, that they think?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that for example, most organizations are just going to be like work work from home for forever or you know all these kind of things that, that we were forced into. Um, but you know I think most organizations are, are going to retain some level of flexibility, um, whether it's just again giving people a little more control over like, hey, I need to leave early today or I'm gonna work from home on Friday because I have these other issues and things like that. So I think that's going to be part of the DNA of most organizations for work that is not tied to time and place. Of course, lots of jobs are tied to time and place, right? Um, You know, uh, meals need to be cooked in a kitchen and nurses need to be in a hospital. So, you know, we're talking about different types of employees here, right? Um, But, you know, I I really think that there's, there are some lessons that have, have been learned, like what worked well over the last 18 months? What were we able to do well from a distance were we able you know and then what what did we miss over the last 18 months what uh what was a lack over the last 18 months and then you know putting that together into like what's our strategy going forward and it's very complicated because we need to take into account our values as an employer and i hope that our values as an employer values employees as whole people um which also means we need to listen to the input of our employees about what they want in terms of you know, what our workplace is going to look like going forward. But also the type of work we do, the need for collaboration. Um, What about our culture? And what about um, onboarding or orienting new employees? I work at a university. All of my great students who got jobs last year and many who were doing internships this summer um, have never been to their workplace yet. Um, I think that's a real challenge now in, you know, Almost doing this delayed in-person <laughs> uh, orientation and onboarding um, so that they can, um, you know, be fuller participants maybe in the culture and collaboration of their workforce. So there's a lot going on, and I'm sorry if my 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 answers kind of go from one topic to another. But it's it's really you know it's so exciting as someone who studies organizations to um, to see what's going on, but also it's um, you know it's very complicated and interrelated. <laughs>
0: A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod dot w o n o l o dot com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers i just want to go back to something that you said there about jobs that are very much linked to time and place they're they're the the sort of types of roles the type of employers that, that tend to sort of get missed out of this this kind of conversation but they do represent a a, a very large proportion of the of the workforce globally how can employers with those type of workers how can what can they do to think in terms of a of a whole person workplace
1: well i think first and foremost um we need to have um workplaces that are safe um both you know from a physical standpoint and also a psychological standpoint um You know, and a little consideration goes a long way. But also, for example, um, at many Macy's stores, um, employees get their schedules six weeks in advance um, and their schedules can can only be changed on them in very limited circumstances ahead, which gives schedule certainty over um, being able to plan around time for life. I mean, I remember when I waited tables, I got my schedule on a Thursday uh, for the weekend. And that was okay at that time in my life because I didn't have much else going on. But if I had a family, um, <laughs> you know, how do you plan around that if you only get your schedule a, a little bit in advance? So that's just one little um, example of of something that could really be helpful. I think you know, livable wages, um, extending core benefits to your part time and hourly employees is really important. And we've seen you know, famously Costco and 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 other. Uh, Places like that have done that. Um, You know, Starbucks baristas can take online courses at Arizona State University for free. Um, There are lots of things that can be done for hourly employees who are tied to a time and place. Uh, Fundamentally, we need to, you know, make sure people have safe uh, working conditions and we take care of their physical and mental well being. There's no reason that a lot of the positive changes to the workplace can't be extended to everyone. And I, I feel very passionately about that. Um, you know, cause you know, we, again, not everybody, uh, worked from home throughout this. Lots of people were out in the world doing hard physical work and the anxiety of maybe getting sick out in the world and bringing that home to their families. So, you know, I think we really, um, we need to continue to respect our essential workers uh, throughout all of this. Uh, I'll, can I give one more example of a um, um, a, a smaller company I profiles in the book? Is um, it's a couple of health food stores out in California, and this married couple um, that worked there uh, had a baby, and you know the the obvious solution is well put them on different shifts so somebody could take care of the baby at all times, but then. They wouldn't be a family together, right? So the owner of the, this company who knew these two employees, he said, no, 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 no. Both come to work, same shifts. Um, one kind of worked in the back offices. The other kind of worked out on the shop floor and just wear the baby, bring the baby. Um, and they basically one or both of them wore the baby throughout the day uh, while they were working. Now this baby is like six or seven years old. Um, And it's like the mascot of the store and all the customers love this little girl and this girl knows all the the uh, regular uh, customers and um, this family got to be a family um, because just this small business owner and an hourly, you know, uh, workplace uh, took it upon himself to just figure out like what's a good little creative custom fit solution that works for them. Now. I don't know if we can always have everyone wear their babies to work, but you know, it just, that's an example of just something we could do. Um, you know, one other larger example, Disney parks, um, have uh childcare for, uh, or childcare facilities for their, uh, Disney park workers. Um, but the day at daycare begins at 6am and ends as late as 11pm. um, Which, you know, for people who could work different shifts and things like that, it's often very hard to find childcare in the evenings. But, you know, uh, Disney extends that. Uh, for those types of employees. So there's lots of different examples. I profile a lot of them in the whole person workplace.
0: As a final question, let look out to, to the future a bit because it's a very, very disruptive. There's a huge amount of, of things going on right now and decisions that are being taken right now that are going to um, really sort of shape the the future of the workplace. So in, in your view, what does a happy, healthy workplace look like in five years time? Where, where are we Where are we going to land with this?
1: they listen to their employees. I think that would be the fundamental um, common thread. I think how how an employer shows its support for employees is going to be very different based on the type of work, type of worker, the competitive markets, etc. cetera. So, um, you know, I think it's going to show itself in many different ways. But I think fundamentally, and hopefully, and I think this is a good thing, that employees are going to be listened to a bit more um, and that their concerns are at least going to be considered by their employers more in decision-making. And, you know, if an organization and there's things we could do, right, in a formal sense to make sure leadership hears from a wide variety of employees, um, there are lots of things we could do with uh, employee resource groups or, you know, feedback mechanisms or, you know, maybe just making sure that leaders You know, our CEO doesn't just talk to the C-suite, but there are mechanisms to really find out what life is like at the front lines of your company. Um, I really think that good workplaces will listen to their employees and consider their needs as they make their plans. And again, this could show up in many, many different ways. You know, maybe, you know, it's a concern for health and safety. Maybe it's uh, a concern for taking care of caretakers. Maybe it's a concern for employee development um, or, you know, more time for life um, and making sure that we respect people's vacation time and parental leave, you know, and, and time at night to recharge and to, you know, to be able to spend time with family or our other priorities. So I, I think fundamentally listening to employees and building that into how we build our workplace, you know, is really the... Um, the common thread. Again, how it plays out is, is going to differ in in different circumstances.
0: So, as a very final question, where can people find you and where can they find the book?
1: Great. Well, the book, again, is The Whole Person Workplace Building Better Workplaces Through Work Life, Wellness, and Employee Support. Uh, and my name is Scott Beeson, which is spelled weird. It's B E H S O N. You can get the book anywhere that you buy books. Um, you know, Amazon's usually the first place people go, but. Um, you know, support local booksellers, Indie Bounds, etc. You can find me pretty easily. Um, Again, my kind of oddly spelled last name means that in a search, I come up pretty quickly. Um, But uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn, um, on Twitter. Um, I have a website, scottbeeson.com, that also has a page uh, for this book and my prior books and, you know, my speaking and consulting and other services that I provide.
0: Scott, Thank you very much for talking to me.
1: Great. It's been uh, great being here. Thank you.
0: My thanks to Scott Beeson. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list. To get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me.
1: This is my show.